0: Hi everyone, welcome back to First Time Outdoors. Uh, This week we're gonna take a little break from the Camp Ripley series um, because we had a pretty exciting weekend in the Whitetail Woods. Um, We'll get back to that hopefully next weekend and kind of conclude the Camp Ripley saga. Um,
1: There's some good stories to be had still there, so stay tuned.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in this week's episode, uh, we had a really exciting hunt uh, this past weekend. and kind of want to go through some of the details of tracking a deer um, and all the things that that entails the highs and the lows uh, the emotional toll the physical requirements and some of the tips that we kind of developed and recommendations we have for how to better track and and sort of um, how to get the right mind frame during that process so stay tuned and enjoy the episode So yeah, um, had a pretty crazy weekend of hunting this again. We're we're gonna talk again about some whitetail hunting. Uh, Tis the season. Um, it's November sixth as of the date of recording here, and um, in the Midwest, that is kind of, I don't know if it is it peak rut or like the rut's kicking off. It's kind of prime time
1: for yeah for whitetail
0: hunting. I yeah. would say.
1: Yeah, it's certainly picking up. It's it's uh it's been unseasonably cold Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of triggered it faster it was kind of slow to develop it seemed sometimes it kind of uh has a slow rise to the peak you can start seeing stuff start happening at the end of october this year we didn't really and then all of a sudden it was just on yeah and i think it was because it got cold really fast so
0: Yeah. So we, yeah, basically today is going to be a sort of a story time edition of First Time Outdoors. Uh, We had a really fun and eventful weekend um, on a hunt together with uh, Mike's brother, Derek. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a kind of story of first time things that, that I experienced and I think you experienced as well on Sunday in particular that we'd like to share with y'all and some things that we learned along the way. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so we, uh, we decided to to do an all day sit Saturday and saw tons of deer. And, uh, so Sunday evening we went back and in hopes of kind of recreating the amount of deer that we had seen and hopefully, uh, having deer move closer or different seeing different deer, what have you. And it was actually pretty slow that evening i think we got in the woods what we say it was about two thirty, maybe yeah for sure um which only gave us about two and a half three hours of shooting time of uh, shooting light so um kind of we're in hopes that things were going to start moving fast and i hadn't seen any deer basically that whole set and uh so i Got my phone out, and I sent you and Derek a text that said, anybody seeing anything? And uh, I I had my phone in my hand long enough to get a response from, I think, Derek that said nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was you, Jay. Yeah. But somebody responded and was like, I'm not seeing anything. And uh, as soon as that text came in, I looked straight ahead, and there was a big doe about... 150 yards away maybe 100 yards away working through this bedding area and so uh i just thought hey i'm gonna i'm gonna get myself ready for this deer in case she comes in because i've got another doe tag to use and she's big so um that stand creaks a lot and so i was slowly getting my feet set and The day before I had realized that I couldn't really get a good shot to the scrape that I was sitting over because the tree that I'm in is so big. So I had spent the afternoon, a little bit of time in the afternoon the day before practicing drawing back with that big tree. And so I kind of oriented myself in the best position to do that based on my practice from the day before and uh, had already clipped my um, release onto the D loop. And was waiting for that deer to come closer. And out of the corner of my eye, there was a a big buck coming right down the field edge and the wood edge, right through my shooting lanes. I mean, it was going to come right through my shooting lanes, come to my, was come to the scrape that I was sitting over, and was heading towards that doe. And so, um
0: and this is like what four four thirty
1: thirty probably. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah four thirty. So. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of time to take a look at this deer. All I saw was that the, the antlers were way over its ears and I could count five tines on the left side. So I knew it was a nine or a 10 and it was a big buck. And so I drew back and gave it a couple of kind of verbal guttural noises to try to get it to stop kind of like a Ehh um grunt grunting noise and he just would not stop he was on a he he I think had winded that doe and was after her and so I got him to slow down and like to a walk and then I let the arrow fly and uh he took off running and I knew because my uh my knock glows and I can kind of see the flight as I've got a blue light on the back of that knock. And I could see where that light disappeared was further back on that deer than I wanted it to be. Um, so I was, but I could hear that, that I had punched through the, the rib cage. There's a very distinct sound that makes, it kind of sounds like a, it's like a popping noise. So I knew that I had gotten into the chest cavity, but I knew I hit it further back than I wanted to. It was a pretty, um, is is quartering away pretty significantly, so, um, which can sometimes be a little bit more difficult to catch two lungs in that case. So, and I definitely didn't. So, I uh, I immediately called Derek and was like, so this was like two minutes after we had texted each other, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I just got a hit on a big, you know, a, a nice big buck, and he was like, seriously. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, let's give it time. Um, and I called you Jake and told you, and we just gave it some time. So I climbed down and I sat in the truck and gave it a little bit. And then you guys came down and met me there. In the meantime, I called my, my uncle Kerry to see if he'd be willing to come help track that deer. Cause I had an idea that it was going to be a little bit longer track. And then, um, talked to the landowner about um, the possibility of going into the adjacent properties if we needed to and got cleared to do that so we started tracking the deer at about it's probably like quarter to six
0: yeah five thirty six five thirty five forty
1: five yeah so we checked the arrow there's pretty good mm-hmm. blood on there pretty bright red blood which is indic- indicative that you got some lung um but wasn't a whole lot of blood so we tracked it we started tracking it and uh
0: I just have to interject here. Yeah. you're glossing over how jacked you were about this deer. Like <laughs> yeah. you were, yeah. completely pumped. Yeah, um, you know, you knew this was a big deer, and that first hour was a lot of excitement and a lot of, uh, yeah, you were just really excited. It was a big deal. Yeah, sure. it
1: was. In, I wasn't really sure how to f- like. I was yeah. I was all. I was very excited, but then I was also there's still a little bit of like like uncertainty because i i was like cautiously optimistic i guess because it's the biggest deer that i'd ever gotten a shot at and uh i wasn't super confident in the shot placement just because everything happened so fast um so it's very contrary to the to, to the deer story from um when ocean and i went because that deer i had watched forever and you know had a a long time to aim and pick my shot very carefully this was just like super fast i mean by the time i shot saw the deer and got the shot off it was probably less than 10 seconds so so yeah i was very excited but still a little nervous about kind of what the tracking would bring for us so so we set off with headlamps flashlights a roll of toilet paper uh and the toilet paper is to it's a good way to mark your trail because it's very that white color is very visible
0: your trail meaning the, the, the blood, blood trail. trail so anytime so you yeah. find
1: that's kind of the role that you took jake because anytime we saw blood you would leave some toilet paper like on a twig or something mm-hmm. kind of at eye level or um not on the ground so we could kind of see the path that the deer was taking more obviously yeah. and then it's good because it, once it rains or snows or whatever, that toilet paper breaks down and you're not leaving behind a trail of plastic or which something. Which
0: ended up like being that. good because we had a lot of toilet paper to use, which we'll get to. But <laughs> we <did. laughs> yeah. yeah. If it was plastic, there would have been a lot of cleanup to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this, this deer was, I wouldn't say we were getting good blood by any means, but we were getting consistent blood. It wasn't a lot of quantity but um i mean there was just it was like every th- i don't know what would you say three feet to a couple yards a couple yards you know we we're seeing a couple drops here a couple drops there it was consistent um so
0: yeah and for me like my the two deer that i've uh hunted have had like some pretty serious blood and yeah, that's a, that's really all I had seen before it was like, um, you know, footprint size, like human footprint size or, or even more consistent than that. Mm-hmm. So this was, I didn't know, you know, you guys were saying it was good blood and I was kind of like, this seems like certainly there's blood, but it's not even, I wouldn't even say what we were finding was like the size of my palm. It was yeah. like some... It was almost like somebody had like a water bottle in some places, and like there was like little little sprays, a little bit of drops, and it was kind of like, all right, like certainly blood, but yeah, um, that was just interesting for me to kind of, um, like know what the expectation is. Like, is this where are we at? And it seemed like we were in a good place. Yeah. For, so.
1: And I had known based on the deer that I had shot the year before with those same broadheads. Um, And that was a deer that only went 10 feet before it died. Um, There was no blood, Mm. which was really interesting. So the cutting diameter is uh, kind of small. So I I knew going into that we probably weren't going to find a lot of blood, but that didn't necessarily mean that the shot wasn't fatal. Um, It just meant that there's smaller entrance and exit wounds, so there isn't going to be as much blood coming out. As yep. there is probably pooling inside so so we we tracked this deer through grass through like thickets of cedar through all sorts of thorns evergreens yeah yeah evergreens we went across a, a dirt road um, we went through like we got into some really tricky spots where it was the deer had gone through moss mm-hmm and it was really hard to find blood show because everything was getting absorbed. It was like dropping blood into a sponge. We, yep. just, we just couldn't find good blood there that's where we really got hung up for a long time yep jake and i we we were both on our hands and knees crawling around with headlamps trying to find blood because it just we could not figure out where that deer had gone. yep,
0: that was tricky um but bef- I think yeah before the moss the the really tricky part was we got into this grassy area there's was like a main trail and there was a ton of tall grass and it, the distance really started to widen at that point between the between, blood, the, yeah. between the nearest blood, mm-hmm. where but prior to that it was, you know, every couple steps, we'd find a small amount. This would be like, I would, I'd be sitting at the last blood looking all around on my hands and knees for a speck and Derek would go range out like, you know, 10, 20 yards looking just, like, blindly. Yeah. But find, then, you know, he was finding some things, yeah. doing that, and it was just... That was a crazy section because we were in, like, a, a lot of tall grass and could have gone anywhere, mm-hmm. and we were really had limited blood. Um, so we got... I don't know if it was luck or what, but it was, like, it was really awesome that we were con- able to continue in that section. Um, and then we got to basically we got up to this wood edge and we, we walked in there, um, right to the edge of the woods and we were standing and Derek, you know, hushed us. He also said, you know, be quiet. Everybody. He's like, Do you guys hear that? And I couldn't really hear anything. Um, I don't know if anybody else could necessarily, but he thought he could hear just a slight rustling of leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which would indicate that the deer was moving. Or there is, is a deer. I mean, at, at this time, you know, if it wasn't clear from the beginning, we started tracking this thing when it was dark. Mm-hmm. So we were at headlamps and flashlights and um, so we don't know what's out there, yeah. but we could just hear a rustling, a slight rustling of leaves. And Carrie probably led this decision and, you know, it was like played his experience and just said we should back out a little bit, give it more time mm-hmm. because... There's a big fear that a deer's adrenaline will keep it up, moving, and it'll keep it running from you. Um, they call it pushing, pushing a deer, um, rather than just lying down and kind of finding a safe place mm-hmm. and then dying. Yeah. So pushing it is not ideal. You might not ever catch up to it, um, and it could stay up. So we decided to back out and go get new headlamps, yeah. uh, new batteries, and give it a little bit of time. And then from there, I think we got into, you know, once we continued to pursue after that, then we got into some really tricky tracking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, so we ended up finding a bed where the deer had laid down and had kicked up the earth. You could see it had struggled to its feet. And that's probably the spot where Derek had heard it trying to get up and, and go. So it was, looked like the location for where, from where we had jumped it from. So yeah, so we were tracking it through the moss, and um, we came to a pretty steep downhill, following it downhill, 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 which is <laughs> typical for wounded deer, they're going to go downhill. In an incredibly so. thick
0: downhill. Like, we were <laughs> yeah. almost on our knees, not getting poked in the eye by branches and things, going downhill. I mean, it was, that initial section, it was just like incredibly thick. I could not believe that a deer would walk through that. Yeah. I mean, it must've been crawling because we yeah. were forced to get down so low. I mean, I just, it was so thick. It was like,
1: yeah, I couldn't believe we were seeing blood through there. No. Cause it, yeah, it was so thick that we, we had to spread out between us because if we were too close to each other, we were like releasing branches into each other's faces. And yep. it was like, Yeah. It was hands and knees. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't seem like there was space for a deer to get through.
0: Yep. I've got scrapes on my hands and face (laughs) and arms to prove it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Me too. (laughs) So yeah, we ended up uh, getting into this area. Um, so this property is right on the St. Croix river and it's pretty high up above the river. There's a significant, uh, hill decline would you say that it's a, it's a pretty significant pitch mm-hmm. pretty steep yeah and it's um, probably 100 yards 150 yard long hill
0: yeah it's steep enough to kind of you'd have to kind of side hill it like yeah. you have to turn your feet and use the mm-hmm. edge of your your boot to to get down and in yeah. some
1: sections use your hands yeah and we had slid down it a couple mm-hmm. times because it was so steep so yep um it dropped pretty fast down towards the river and so we were following a blood trail in heavy oak leaves down this really steep hill, and it was really tricky. I've never had this happen before, where it was so steep that we were kind of sliding down the hill, and in the meantime, flipping over all of those oak leaves that had blood on them. Yeah. So we were washing out our blood trail that we were following, and it was getting really, really tough. And there wasn't that, that many. That point. And
0: there wasn't that there wasn't that many leaves that had blood on them to begin with. So right. it was kind of like you know. Don't move the one that we might find. Um, yeah, just by walking. Um, that was a kind of a hairy moment where it's like, this is getting really hard because oak leaves are, they show up the blood really easily. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there were so many of them and it was just like, it was hard. We actually lost it for a little bit there. Right. Um, yeah, it, There was a very serious trail banking down to the left and We, you know, one of these times, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times this happened during the track job where you see a trail and you go, yeah, if I was an animal and I was injured, I would be taking the path of least resistance and I'd be going this way. Well, they don't, they don't care about that. Like they're just,
1: (laughs) they're trying to survive. You're not an animal,
0: so you don't know. Right. So they can go anywhere. I told uh, my wife, Katie, you know, every time you found blood, there's a 360 degree chance that it could go somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason that it continues to go forward. It could go right, left, back, any uh, any angle in between. Um, so yeah, that that happened definitely a few times where we'd have find it at an odd angle or some place that we didn't expect yeah. it to find. Yeah, you know, to find. Yeah, I
1: remember pretty. This was further up the trail, but I I remember there was one point where we got into a spot and it was pretty obvious it was going in one direction, and I remember Jake was going that direction. And then kind of came to a dead end and I was like 10 feet behind you and I was like, oh, it went left. Mm-hmm. So it was like almost like it had made a, like a check mark shape. It went forward and like went into this brush and was like, nope, and backed out and went completely the other way, Yep. Um, which is, that can be really hard, you know, to, so when that happens, it's really important that you fan out, yep. and you, you cover that to kind of spiral out from the site of the last blood and you just keep looking
0: yeah, that was a huge thing that I kept, you know, in my head during that whole tracking process was just like don't think that you know what the deer is going to do. I mean, that helps. Mm-hmm. Maybe that maybe I'm completely off base as an inexperienced tracker, but like what what you do know is where the blood is. Yeah. You don't know anything else. Yeah. And so finding that is like that's all that matters really. I right. mean, in some cases, certainly there were points where it was pinched down so tightly. That's like, it has to go this way. And Mm -hmm. yes, you can speed along, but I think people, I could see how tempting it would be for people to abandon the evidence that they see in hopes of like finding that having a theory Mm -hmm. kind of going, it should have done this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you, if you're not using toilet paper or something like that, Mm -hmm. then you've lost the blood. And all of a sudden you're completely in a maze kind of you're, you're lost.
1: So, I think it's it's easy to become very impatient. Impatient, yep. (laughs) Yeah, because it's you know you could be spending ten minutes and you're going increments of a foot at a time Mm -hmm. each ten minutes, and I think you know that can become really you know that can test your patience a lot. So maybe you just start you know the the risk that you run then is to start taking like making guesses, yep, um, which is not what you want to do. So
0: there were certainly a few moments where I felt like tension building where it's like well we haven't we're not finding anything nobody's yeah. finding anything this has been 10-15 minutes like this is is this it no. are we done here soon yeah. because we're not finding anything yeah. and that like a sort of anxiety building like oh my gosh we got to find something
1: mm-hmm. you know so we're on this down slope in the in these oak trees and washing out all these Leaves turning them over, and as we're kind of sliding down the hill, and uh, like Jake was saying, there was a pretty distinct trail that we thought that it was walking down, um, but it had turned out that it, that it just kind of had abandoned that trail and decided to just go straight down that slope, mm-hmm. which is was kind of surprising actually. And I don't know how it did it, but there was a deadfall that was laying there, and I don't know if you remember th- this oh, part of it, Jake. But we were like trying to get over the top of that log. As we were sliding down that hill, and I think some of us just ended up sliding right underneath. Yeah, that and Carrie tree.
0: kind of fell a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of treacherous. It was
1: really steep. The, I don't I, know how that deer got down it, but no. he he had to have gone in like two jumps.
0: Yeah, I remember you uh, putting out a little disclaimer, like "take it easy, guys." Like, make sure you're you've got good footing because, like, this is yes, it's approaching, let's
1: say, ten o'clock,
0: maybe. Mm-hmm. 9, 30, yeah. 10 o'clock. We're probably
1: three and a half, four hours into our start to get a little tired.
0: We all yeah. missed dinner. It's <laughs> kind of like, yeah, don't be doing something foolish on this hill and creating a real problem. And yeah, it was it was steep. Yeah. So yeah, the deer must have just
1: bombed it, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, um, Jake had noticed as we were kind of sliding down this hill that um, next to the railroad bed. So if you can imagine, there's a railroad track running kind of we're walking perpendicular to a running like right up to it and uh there's a, like it's sitting on a bed of rocks right and there's a slope on either side and on the slope on our side there's a kind of a pool of water from a water runoff and um we could see that jake had pointed out that that deer had obviously gone down the slope that we were sliding in because you could see wet imprints or um, puddles yep that the deer had left behind as it went up the rocks and across the railroad tracks it,
0: it kicked out those rocks and they're you know gray i don't know what the stone is but it was just very evident that like something scrambled up this little uh, yeah. ditch
1: yeah yeah so in that case it was we weren't tracking blood at we were tracking the drips of water that were coming off we could find in the wet rocks and, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you know i don't know how long how far we were behind it time was. Never thought about that. Right. I mean, we, at that point, I don't know, were we an hour behind it where the rocks have been dry by, I don't know. That's (laughs) one of the things that I've thought about a lot in the, since then, (laughs) you know, if, if I had thought about it more about, about those rocks being wet, I might've wanted to back out at that point and thought like, we're too, we're too close behind it. I mean, if it just went through here, that deer's not dead yet. We should come out. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't think about that. Um, so, so we got to the other side of the railroad track and it had kind of walked down the railroad track for a little bit, maybe 20 yards and then had ducked into the woods towards the river. And there it was another pretty steep downhill again to the river. And actually there was about a six foot cliff Mm -hmm. that it had jumped down and uh
0: like we needed to get on our butts and then like shimmy off and sort of land yeah like yeah three or four feet you know probably four feet down after we had sat down on our butts like
1: that was crazy yeah and so at this point it was like the landscape was completely different it was it was bizarre it was like um carrie described it as a black hole (laughs) because it was um it was part of the river that when the water is high the water is obviously in this area and the water had dropped. And so everything was covered in like a thick coating of like black mud. All the deadfall was covered in black mud. All the leaves were covered in black mud. Everything was a little bit soggy. And so it was, I don't know, it, it felt like a whole different landscape Yep. that we were in there. So we were wandering around through there, not really finding much blood because the blood was landing in mud. So it was hard to see any sort of blood in there, but we could see some pretty fresh tracks and blood here and there. And, uh, we ended up having to go across this, I don't know, foot deep section of water. Um, some of us didn't have waterproof boots. That would be myself <laughs> and Carrie. We had to kind of do a, an Olympic balance beam, uh, routine to get across a log and just keep our boots dry to get to the other side. Um, and once we got to the other side we are now on i don't know how you what you'd call this like a f- a finger of land or a, like a sliver of land that is running parallel to the shoreline um that's probably what would you say 10 yards wide
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm if that so basically there was a big pond there was a you know we had gotten down into the flat spot below all the cliffs where as low as the river is and that area had sort of flooded, like Mike said, um, you know, the river was high. So between us, there's a large pond and then there's a small sliver of land that was between the pond and the main river. And that was only about 10 yards wide. So we kind of crossed a section of the pond and the deer trail was quite literally on the edge of the river, Mm -hmm. um, within feet. Yeah. I mean he was walking the edge of the river.
1: Yeah, and it was at this point that I I started to feel like a little bit more hopeless. Like, we're not gonna find him now. I mean, there was all these like different areas where you could see the that beavers had been sliding into the river and I was looking at each one of those, going, There's gonna be tracks in one mm-hmm. of those, there's gonna be blood and he's he's gonna take off and swim for it yep
0: i definitely had that sinking feeling i I felt myself getting quiet and like not wanting to say anything because i felt like yeah for sure in a moment we're gonna see blood down there and that's gonna lead to the river and then it's just over like you're not going anywhere from a big river which is really sort of ironic when there's such little land to work with Mm -hmm. that you'd think that's more hopeful because you know the deer has to be right in front of you yeah. <laughs> as opposed to all the other places that we were in the previous hours when you're we in a big field. Yeah. 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 There's like literally like a, a mile around us in every direction that it could be or more. And now but we've got But now you're feet. like 10 feet and you're like, well, maybe he's gone. <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. That is kind of a, it's an interesting observation because that was, I was starting to feel more despair. And I, and I think also I was at that point going, man, if this deer died down here, how in the hell are we going to get it out? Mm -hmm. I mean, that means that now we've got to walk back down this finger through that muddy area, back up that six foot cliff, back up the hill, over the railroad tracks, back up that other hill. I was like, I don't know how the the drag itself is going to take two hours. You know, it might come down to like going and leaving it for the night and getting a boat and coming back the next morning. I don't know what we were going to do. So there was like all these different thoughts that I was having. And so at this point, we kind of had lost blood. And um, you could could follow tracks, though, the fresh tracks. And every once in a while, you'd see blood. But I was mostly following tracks. And I got to this point where um, I stopped. And uh, I said, I can smell them. I can I can smell the bucks in the in the rut. They have a real like musty. I don't. know, It's kind of an indistinct. It's a distinct but kind of indescribable smell. It, it's uh it's not a very uh, pleasant smell. But yeah, they they smell they mm-hmm. stink. I could smell them. And uh, so I took that as a good sign. Like oh he's laying dead somewhere in here. Then so we walked a little bit further and. We jumped him. And I couldn't believe it. And it I all I saw was the the white tail and the white butt and he was running directly away. Just crashing off. Yeah, just crashing off. And that's when I mean that was like every ounce of hope that I had to find him was like completely gone. Mm-hmm. To be honest. It was like that's it. I mean we've been tracking for four and a half, five hours at this point. We just jumped him. He's not dead. And also, we heard crashing and then like a sploosh. He was a gainer into the water. (laughs) (laughs) So then it's like, well, now what? He's swimming. He's swimming for it. Yeah. Where does he go?
0: He ran like, yeah, a few seconds of crashing brush and then just a loud, Mm -hmm. crazy splash. And it's like... We heard nothing after that. Like that was was amazing to me. I was like, did, was that his? Did he die in the river? <laughs> yeah. It sounded like he just fell into the river. Yeah, um, yeah. it
1: was like, somebody did a cannonball. Just a
0: big old splash, and then that was it. Yeah. Um,
1: and there was really nowhere to go. I mean, you walked across that little muddy area to like the next little chunk of land, and shined your flashlight on the shoreline. And I was like, is where could he had go? Where could he go from here? And you're like, nowhere. Yeah, it's a cliff Everything back to the wisconsin side, which is seemingly where we heard him go Well, was like pretty steep
0: He could have continued straight ahead of me, you know, but I couldn't see far enough to see what that yeah. actually meant But everything to my left. Yes was the, the cliff up to the railroad and everything to the right was the main river so mm-hmm. it's like Boy, I don't know where he went in that splash. Like if he went into the main river, he could be swimming. Yeah uh, If he went into the pond area he could just still be ahead of us i don't know but yeah. we just had no idea at that point we, we sort of lost them we lost all the blood mm-hmm. we lost all the tracks and we didn't have i mean the water was deep enough it was probably a few feet deep we didn't have any waders or any yeah any real reasonable chance of like pursuing it any further through the water to to hopefully stumble upon tracks or anything so
1: yeah and the other thing that I'll say is that my my dad was in was not with but he was in communication frequently like giving us phone calls like checking in how are you doing and he actually decided to come out there and join us and he parked up by the by the farm and then walked through the woods and came to the to the edge of that slope and said that he could see four flashlights down in the distance and he said it was like seemingly that you were like miles away. <laughs> like like you were tiny little specks down there of light and uh, that's when he was like, well I'm I can't get down there. Yeah. So he actually was like kind of disheartened and a little bit bummed, but it was like I'm I'm going to be no help. I'm I'm going home kind of thing. So mm-hmm. and that's also when we decided after jumping is like that's it for tonight. Because One, we don't know where he went. We'll never catch up to him now. And we also just, we don't want to catch up to him because he's not, he's not dead and we don't want to push him anymore. Your odds of finding a deer after you've jumped him decline significantly. I mean, you, you probably, I I would venture to guess from like my reading and stuff because I spent a lot of that night reading because I couldn't sleep that uh, jumping a deer I mean, your odds of finding a deer after you've jumped them are really slim. Mm. I was seeing anywhere between like ten to thirty percent recovery at that point once you've jumped them, especially after that amount of time. So we backtracked ourselves all the way back out, basically followed our trail back up where we had came from, and uh, quietly and very
0: solemnly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, at that point, I I was so physically tired, I was emotionally tired, and uh, I I just I didn't. I had Derek drive. I had driven us there, and I was like, I need somebody else to drive. I just can't. I I I just didn't have it in me, the energy anymore. So, um, so we decided we're going to come back. Jake and I, were going to give it a try. And, uh, the next morning and got home. And as, uh, as things tend to go and like when I need to get sleep, my 10 month old son (laughs) seems to know that. (laughs) And, uh, so I got home at like 1230 and, uh, my wife was up, Alicia, she was up with him and he was screaming and, we were both trying to get him to go to sleep. So then it was about one thirty. by the time like he went down. And then I still just couldn't sleep. Um, I was tossing and turning. Restless, you know, just going through all the sequence of events, the shot placement, uh, the and then the replaying, jumping in, because that was like the moment my heart sank. And uh, was getting about 20 minutes of sleep at a time. And then I'd be up for 40 minutes and... I had to like read myself to sleep. I just kept reading different articles about deer tracking and all that. And, uh, so it was a sleepless night of anxiety and, um, kind of recounting and, and also like thinking of the plan. What am I going to do the next morning? So Jake and I met, uh, the next morning and drove up and, uh, we got there and Jake had a good plan of attack. We're basically going to start even with where we jumped that deer, but on the railroad side and just push south and see what we yep. can find. So, so
0: the railroad kind of worked. We could tell by the map that the, the land um, sort of came to a point, right? Where the river met the railroad at a certain point. Um, we probably had about two, two to 300 yards of remaining land. That if the deer wasn't in the river, which we kind of had to assume he didn't go into the main river and swim, um, you know, off into Never Never Land or whatever. um, If, if he didn't do that, he likely couldn't climb up the the cliff area or the hills were too steep that for him to make an effort to get up there would be just enormous. Um, so likely he would bet down in any of the remaining land that there was down there. So yeah, we sort of started even with where we ended and the plan was just to cover as much of that land that we could and, and hopefully find him there. And I don't even really think we talked about if we didn't, you know, what would happen if we didn't find him down there? Cause yeah. we didn't have any more blood. We didn't have any more tracks. So, a needle in the haystack game that we were already playing would just turn into like the whole woods, like, or he's gone, and we could just completely be wasting yeah. time. If he had stayed in the river and swam for a half a mile down the river or something, we would have never known that. Um, yeah:
1: So yeah, I knew at that point our we were not playing the tracking blood game, no, because swimming through the water, he had wa- he was going to wash off any of the blood that was pooling up on his, on his fur. So we weren't going to get any drips at that point. And any blood that we were going to get was going to be so watered down from the amount of water trapped in his fur that we probably wouldn't see it anyways. So we were literally just either looking for, you know, kicked up areas of leaves where it looked like he had struggled or just finding him laying there, mm-hmm. you know. So, um so yeah, we, we were like looking under logs, under deadfalls, descending and climbing, descending down to the river, climbing back up. Yeah, so we
0: basically, yeah, we got we combing. went down from where we started. We went the my idea was to get down to get down to real land, you know, from where we kicked him up, so get back on some dry land and assume that he's down there. And when we got down there, it was just completely Full of deadfalls and trees, like choked out of mm-hmm. brush. It's like, you know, of course he could still be down here,
1: but he's not traveling. He, he didn't there. go He'd through there, and, there.
0: You know, yeah. so we kind of knew we could rule that out. And um, then there was a big uphill. Um, we kind of climbed our way out, clawing hands and feet um, to get up to the top of this ridge. And I just decided to start working my way. Um, around the edge of this cliff to, to look down to the river again and kind of see like, okay, where are we going to pick up the land down below? Mm-hmm. Where I could th- he come up? Yeah, I saw yeah. some big trees. I'm like, okay, if, if there's, hopefully, fingers crossed, there's land down there when I look. And it's not just a cliff the whole way. Because mm-hmm. if it's a cliff, he's gone. But if there's land eventually, that's probably where he went and we'll circle down there. Mm-hmm. You took a different path mm-hmm. and you went down you you kind of decided to cut right through the top of the hill and zigzag and uh I just heard you go I got him (laughs) like like really um excited but like I think in disbelief probably you were just like I got him I was like wait what (laughs) you're like I got him I just said where are you and I just started like running and trying to like bushwhack as fast as I could to try to find you. I couldn't see you at all. And, uh, yeah, we just like, I just ran up on him and you were standing right over him and I think we gave you a huge high five and just like, yeah,
1: you let out a big celebratory yell, (laughs)
0: big
1: (laughs) scream. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was, it was really surreal to me. You know, I was just kind of weaving back and forth and I looked to my right and I just saw, the head and a big antler sitting there and I was like, Oh my God, there he is. And, uh, I don't know. It was, it was like in that moment there was like probably a minute of time where I was just feeling like all of the relief. It wasn't excitement yet. It was yeah. just like all relief, you know? And I had like the thought of like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> and like, it, it, you know, I've recovered the animal, which is number one for me. I did not like the idea of that, you know, I knew that deer was dead, but I, I didn't like the idea that we might not recover it. So just the sheer relief. And then once, once you had made it there, that's when I was like <laughs> ready to, you know, celebrate a little bit. So,
0: and I think, you know, the celebrating, celebrating the kill is a weird thing that I think non-hunters struggle with that as like the optics of that right where it's like that seems strange and it that's understandably it it is a little bit like it's something I never thought that I would feel but there's something sort of I don't know it's not a conscious decision to either not celebrate or to celebrate it's just like that's just I'm sure there are times where you wouldn't really feel like celebrating when you, uh, hunt an animal. It may have a totally different feel, but there are times where I feel like it's just what comes out. It's just like how you, what I'm trying to get at is it's not a manufactured thing. It's just, it comes from somewhere Mm -hmm. deep within. And in this case, I think that we had had so much stress and hard work put into, um, finding that animal that it was just like, yeah, such relief that, mm-hmm. um, and it was a great deer. Yeah. We do. you know, we, we haven't got to that yet. So it was just like a great success to yeah. have put in all that work and tested ourselves in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. stuck with it, stuck with the challenge and, and ultimately we're rewarded with, um, with finding it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's a complex subject that I don't know if i can even articulate very well because i don't have a, a lot of experience with it but i know that people um have a lot of feelings about the celebratory nature of hunting and mm-hmm. um they can definitely get a bad rap but i think that there's a time and a place for it yeah um
1: yeah i think to to some somebody observing us in that situation that wasn't a part of the whole lead up would have a a huge misunderstanding of what was going on there, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it might look funny for, like, two guys to be, like, hugging and high-fiving and screaming and hooting and hollering over a dead animal That yeah. might, to an outsider or somebody that wasn't a part of it that might look odd. Um, but for me, the elation was coming from, like, we found him because I knew he was dead. But I just – I would have been heartbroken to, like, to – to injure a deer like that, know that it suffered to its end and then not have anything to show for it, you know, just to have a a nice buck laying in the woods that's getting you know eaten by coyotes or something. To me that's like um that would have that would have been like a heartbreaking situation to me. So I was definitely happy to have it and have found it, so mhm Um, so we kind of, we took our sweet time. We (laughs) we took a lot of pictures and we, um, I think part of it was we were just like so tired and maybe weren't ready for like the next step of like having to uh, field dress it and drag it out of there, you know? So we, we spent quite a lot of time. Well, and yeah, and
0: and, and honestly, we had found it relatively quickly, I think mm -hmm. from what we thought we were in for, for the day. So I think it was just like this moment of like, wow, I can't believe it all came together. Let's just take a little bit here and like, There's no rush to. We've got the rest of the day to sort of figure out what needs to happen. And Mm -hmm. um, it had been very cold the night, you know, overnight. So there wasn't really a concern about the meat. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that we had it, there was wasn't eaten by coyotes. It wasn't sitting in the river the whole night. Um, It was pretty much exactly what. The best case scenario that we could have hoped.
1: Yeah, yeah. So upon uh, field dressing it and doing a kind of a hunter's autopsy to try to figure out what would, what the cause of death was, you know, obviously an arrow. But where did I where did I hit it? Because um, it obviously was less than ideal. Because we had you had uh, been tracking our plot points that whole time. And we had figured out that it was like somewhere between nine tenths of a mile and a mile of distance that we tracked that deer Mm -hmm. that he had traveled. So that's, that's a long ways. So where did I hit him? That he was able to travel so far, but also still ultimately perish. And so um, I hit him about four inches back from where I needed to be. So I ended up getting um, some, some of the gut uh some of the liver and then uh the right lung was hit. So when I opened the abdomen there was there was fragments of corn and like bits of things that it had eaten and then there was also lung in there. So kind of like I mean he had he had everything going against him there and it was still tough enough to travel all that distance and do it in a way that was a lot more graceful than four guys that <laughs> are in full health. I mean, we were like falling down hills and there was no evidence of that deer that's like on its last leg of life yeah, yeah. struggling through any of that area. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's amazing to me that a, a deer on one lung could go so far. Yeah, so, and
0: what I thought was really kind of just an amazing you know capstone to the the whole fight that the deer put up was that the fact that he summited this sort of hill um so he came up from the river bottom he probably ascended 50 to 60 vertical feet i'd say Mm -hmm. uh, from the river bottom that was kind of his last push and um probably was ultimately what what did him in at the top of the hill but just sort of a the last fight to get out of there was, yeah, it was just crazy that.
1: Yeah, and what a beautiful spot to they like put up such a fight to end it all. You know, mm-hmm. it was like very picturesque up there. So, I don't, yeah, it was a, it was a, it kind of a interesting uh, end to it all. And I still don't know how he got up there. We we never yeah. really like figured that out, but um, so we dragged him out. We had to drag him. I don't know, 100 yards or so down the railroad tracks <laughs> and then back up that hill, that long hill, and we stopped every 15, 20 yards to take a break because we were huffing and puffing and getting tired and stuff like that. So, And we had all day, so we didn't really need to like kill ourselves over getting it out of there and kind of enjoy the, the moment of it. it. It really couldn't have been a more beautiful scene that's to me what i'm going to think most about in my reflection of it I, of course like the whole tracking experience but dragging it out down that railroad track by that waterfall and then there's a the river a Croix river to the left there's a waterfall to the right we're walking down railroad beds there's beautiful colors of the oaks and then it's starting to snow mm-hmm. it just was like that was awesome it's pretty picturesque yeah, yeah. And it was just and the, and then just the sheer relief of finding this animal and also like the the privilege of dragging out the biggest buck that I've ever shot. there's just all these awesome things that happened, and it was like for as bad as the night before was, you know with the whole tracking situation and dumping and then it also just not being able to sleep all night, that was the complete opposite yeah. and that that was awesome, so yeah it was pretty great um so I, I would like to maybe. Talk about the the lessons learned through this, and and uh, some of the things that I feel like were valuable to me, and uh, some of the things that I've reflected on with Jake since then, because it's been a few days now. And then also I've talked to my uncle Kerry about it, and uh, my brother Derek about the whole situation too. And uh, I think the first thing that I'll mention is that it is is really hard to track an animal as the person that shot the animal mm. um, it for me and from other times I've experienced tracking there's there's the added stress of being the shooter in that situation because not only are you tracking blood but you're also like the blood is on you right so like every every time you're like not finding blood you start to take that a little bit like more personally you take that as like oof, like that was not a good shot or everything just kind of becomes, I was kind of internalizing all that, like, oh, we're not finding blood. That shot should have been better. So then I'm replaying the whole situation. Like, okay, so where did you hit it? So there's all these different things that's going on. And so that's one of the things that Carrie said too, and when we were talking about it yesterday on the phone was like, it's okay as the person that shot the animal to take the back seat in the tracking role. Hmm. and it's it's really important for you to have some other people there with you because if it would have just been me or even just me and like one other person, I don't think we could have done it we we all had like different skills and different abilities and um I would say you Jake, kind of took the leadership role or kind of like the like the strategizer and like the um you were like more intentional about like what our next move was and i relied on that too because i just didn't have like the mental capacity at that point to like be thinking through mm-hmm. it's easy for me to spot blood but like i i wasn't in like any sort of mind frame to be um analytical yeah right so so that would be the one thing that i would say is if you find yourself in a situation where you're tracking a deer and you're like you're starting to get overwhelmed or even before you get to that point call somebody and ask for some help um because it is hard to be in that situation especially when you're like okay we've gone more than 100 yards and this is getting to be a long track you do start to feel like that's a reflection on you and like maybe you made a bad decision or a bad shot or you shouldn't have done this or you should have done that there's yeah. all these different things so yep. um
0: and to have enough people to like talk through yeah to talk through that those feelings that you had um you know you could have easily been like oh I'm, i hit it too far back or we're not seeing blood i must have hit it lower than i thought and missed everything mm-hmm. and you could i could easily see a scenario where somebody would talk out the other person or yourself into saying well the deer's fine mm-hmm. and just moving on
1: right um, yeah because i felt i felt that there was a few situations there was a few times that i was like i was like i need i need a break like I need a like an emotional break, and that was when I I like kind of just backed off a little bit. That's like when I went back to that one blood spot, and I was just like on my hands and knees. I'm like, oh, I can do this, yeah. but I just need to I need to like remove. I need to be brainless for a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I would say, kind of planning wise, and Kerry was genius with this. Is we, well, he's been doing this for a long time. Was is like bringing extra batteries. I mean, he had he had like a convenience store worth of (laughs) double A's, triple A's, D batteries. I mean, everything and and
0: super powerful flashlights. Yeah,
1: like yeah.
0: There's no there's no reason to have an. I had like a little pen flashlight, this tiny little thing. Yeah, it's like you know that fits nicely in a pack. But when it's time to track an animal, like go to your vehicle and pull out the biggest flashlight you can and light up the woods because. You're in some cases looking for a
1: pinprick of yeah. blood, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was for us in some. So, cases.
0: so that's the you know that definitely is an advantage to have the right equipment and right backup, and he for
1: sure provided that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would also say when it comes to your shot, like I guess the mantra would be like, when in doubt, just back out. Like for, oh. for me, like I was I was a little bit in doubtful of where I had hit the animal as far as like I knew where I had hit it but I was doubtful on whether or not that was like at a a quickly like a, a, a shot that would kill that deer quickly mm-hmm. I was doubtful of that and so i was i was nervous in that case of like the coyotes getting it so I was like feeling like I was in a race to the deer carcass against these coyotes but for me as i reflect on it i guess i would i would rather come across a deer carcass the next morning that had gotten hit like maybe chewed up by some coyotes than not find than to push a deer and not find it at all Mm. so i I think that's kind of the one thing that i've thought about interesting since then like i said I, i would rather find a deer that's been chewed up a little bit than not find one so
0: yeah yeah and we're close i mean if the i think if the topography hadn't laid out like it did we you know there's a very real chance he wouldn't have found that deer mm-hmm. you know if we were up on the field and you bumped him like that he's at a full sprint and from what i hear from people that that could be a lot harder
1: yeah you know yeah and just patience i mean there's there's times where you're gonna run into spots where you're just like not finding blood. It doesn't mean there's not blood, it just means you you've gotta give yourself a little bit more time. Yeah. To find it. I mean you owe it to yourself and you owe it to that animal to give as much effort into that um yep. track job as um as that animal deserves.
0: It's a challenge. So. That's uh I mean that is the that's the deer, I don't know if this may be a weird way to phrase it, but it's like, it's kind of the deer's, the deer is fighting back at that moment. Like the challenge the the hunt is not over. Um, you know, it's hard enough to have a deer walk by at 20 to 30 yards. It's hard enough to shoot it correctly and it's hard enough to find it. And that's definitely like the challenge is still very present the, the hunt just started when that deer walked by, it's Mm -hmm. not over. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether the deer lives or, or doesn't, um, it's, it's up to you to, to continue to, to face the music and to keep finding what you can and to stay in the fight. Um, and that's something I think I really felt, I found that I myself really enjoying the tracking. I really felt like it was. Um, some sort of primal game or something that like (laughs) I just I identified with a lot of things in my past as like a kid how I liked to play and how I um, loved puzzles and how I liked searching for clues for things and like it just sort of lined up with like oh yeah I have some memory of this Mm -hmm. almost like I love doing this sort of thing
1: like you've practiced. For I've it.
0: practiced for this a little bit, yeah. but I've never really have. Yeah. Uh but just and yeah, you feel the urgency of like the importance of the role, of the job. Mm-hmm. Like we have to we have to figure this out. If we don't figure this figure this out, then you know, we lost the deer and we stuck in an arrow in a deer that didn't have to die that way. And mm-hmm. you know, like that really contextualizes the whole right. part of hunting. It's like you know, this is it, I can say these things from s- a little bit of experience from my first year, which you know we talked about in a previous episode. But it's like, okay, you stepped into this this ball game, mm-hmm. and like you decided to participate. Yep. Uh, you don't get to just walk away. You you have to kind of be forced to walk away. I feel like mm-hmm. that's yeah. That's why I felt like we needed to get back in and just like keep giving it because we didn't have the, a definitive like a definitive no. That yeah. we couldn't find it. Yeah, we we kind of had a good idea where it was going, so we kind of owed it to ourselves and the deer to uh, to finish out that challenge. So
1: yeah, it's really hard that uh, to to articulate the amount of work that goes into a track job like that. Like to somebody that's never tracked an animal the to to be able to find the words to describe like the emotional part of it and like that roller coaster of like I was going through peaks and valleys of like we're gonna find it we're not gonna find it we're gonna find it we're gonna and it was just like I was getting really tired emotionally Mm -hmm. from that and then not being able to sleep I mean I was like in I was like in a really bad place that night um and actually, like, even recounting the story, I still, like, I don't like to put myself in that, like, mindset again. I, it's such a great story, and I look forward to, like, revisiting it down the road. But it still is, like, it feels, I can still feel that, like, pit of ag- anxiety that I was feeling in that, in that time. So, um, and I think for that reason, I decided that um, I'm going to have this deer um, done as a shoulder mount. Mm. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a Boone and Crockett, huge, giant buck, but it is the biggest buck that I've ever shot. And to me, it's really important that I, one, acknowledge how tough that deer was. Um, But then also just the story of like the trials and tribulations and coming out of it, you know, um, seeing, seeing the challenge through. Um, both physically, emotionally, and mentally mm-hmm. and uh and also just kind of memorializing or th- giving me something that will elicit the memory of like who I was with, you know my brother, my best friend, and my uncle, who was like the the person that I respect the most as a as a person and as a hunter and I've learned the most from. So all those things are, are going to be what I think about when I see that deer on the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that whole experience is the trophy, whether or not somebody looks at that deer and goes, that's a trophy buck. I don't care to me. It is. Yeah. So that's, that's why it's, it's going to go up on the wall. So yeah, this, I couldn't
0: imagine, I mean, every hunt story has a, yeah, there's a lot of hunt stories out there, but that, <laughs> that has a lot of, uh, ups and downs and I don't think it gets much more thrilling and heartbreaking than, than that. So I couldn't imagine like having a better, a better trophy on your wall to kind of look at and say, remember that story? Remember that night? That was that was just a crazy night you could tell people all about that yeah you know so that's pretty awesome yeah um well i feel like that kind of wraps up sort of uh the most exciting hunt of the of the year so far i'm gonna hopefully get out there again uh this weekend or in the next few days um still have yet to punch my tag and got to get some meat back in the freezer and i'm super excited and just yeah that kind of got my engine going a little bit after we found that deer i was just like okay you know mission accomplished in some ways and now uh, now now i want to get out there and um make it happen as well so i'm just super excited
1: for me the, the thing that i'm really excited about is that um I had I had kind of generated a list of like the top 5 bucks that I had on camera. Uh that was number 4 on the list. And so there's three really quality deer still out there to mm-hmm. be had and I'm uh I won't be pursuing them because I don't have a tag, but uh I'll be uh, hopeful that you Jake or my brother or my dad gets a gets a crack at one of them. And I'm also looking forward to spending some quality time with my wife now <laughs> because it, the pursuit of, uh, I, I was obsessed with the pursuit of shooting a big buck cause I have never shot a big buck before I've shot bucks, but nothing that was like, you know, worthy of being put on a wall. So I became obsessed with that and it took a little bit of toll on my, my wife had to like hold down the fort with a, with a baby. And, and, uh, so now I'm looking forward to like taking some, weekends off and yeah getting the getting our our home all cleaned up and, <laughs> and spending some more time with them on the weekend so so that's yeah. uh that's all great too mm-hmm. so for sure
0: well cool well uh thanks for sharing your story it was thanks for letting me be a part of it and um thanks for being it was there. awesome
1: i'm glad that i'm glad that you were there
0: yeah i'm super appreciative for being there and I didn't know that night was going that way when I got that phone call from you when I was in the stand saying I just saw your name and I was like, What's he calling about? You know, it's we've got an hour left of shooting. It's <laughs> supposed to be prime time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, I don't even want to answer this, you know, but I'm glad I did, so Yeah. Um Right in guys, uh any of you guys out in the uh audience out there, if you have any fun stories, if you have any interesting Uh, memories from tracking or anything like that give us a shout at first time outdoors on uh, Instagram or Facebook uh, or Twitter you can also send us an email at Jake at first time outdoors or Mike at first time outdoors and uh, we'd love to hear kind of some of your guys experiences with um, difficult tracking jobs if you have any tips or recommendations for you know how to track better or um, anything like that we'd love to hear it so Thanks for sticking with us again another week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.